Hi, I'm Amelie Bull and welcome to the Inspire Me podcast. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Zoe Lee. Zoe is a former GB rower who won a silver medal at the Olympics in Rio in 2016. For six years, she managed to juggle rowing full time as well as completing her PhD. Now, I'm not going to give too much information away, but I just want to say I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So, let's get to it. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, I can, yes. Hi, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No worries, absolute pleasure. I just want to start off by saying, when you were younger, what did you want to be? When I was younger, what did I want to be? Oh, well, I think I always wanted to basically be this sports person and go to the Olympics and be amazing and all of these sorts of things. And in reality, I was very aware that that was not, not you know, reality. I think I was much more grounded in the practical things. And you look at what your, your parents are. My dad was my PE teacher. So um, yeah, I don't think I had any big dreams that I was going to say, this is what I'm going to be. I think I was just very much living in the moment. Yeah, exactly. And did you play a lot of sports then growing up or were you just sort of just loved all sports? I pretty much loved all sports. Um, but because my dad was my PE teacher, it felt like every opportunity I would get, I'd be playing all of the sort of um sports after school every sort of evening club I could but we were quite a small school um and I was up in uh the Yorkshire Dales and small school Yorkshire Dales definitely no rowing um but I would play a lot of netball a lot of basketball a lot of athletics um because my school was so small we would typically excel in sports where you either had really small um numbers on the team so you know the seven people on a netball court or the five people on a basketball court um, or the individual sports such as athletics whereas when it came to hockey and football we were rubbish we just quite honestly didn't have enough people to to field like a full team of people that actually wanted to to be on the court at that time um, so growing up netball was probably my sport I remember when I was in year seven playing on the year seven team the year eight team the year nine <laughs> I think all the way up to year 10 and going to all of like the, the competitions um absolutely loved it when you went to uni um you didn't row until your second year and um, what was it like to then find this sport that you're like this is the one for me so when I first went to Oxford I turned around and I was just like I am not rowing at Oxford. That is the most cliche thing you could ever do. Turn up at Oxford and just start rowing. So I, I went off and I um, set my sights on, on getting my netball blue. So I um, trialed for the netball team. I actually didn't get in the first time. I was really, really ill um, during the trial and I was just a bit rubbish, um, but persisted and tried again in January, got, got myself onto the team and that was sort of my ambition but it was one of these super hot super beautiful summers and all of my friends were off rowing for for the college um and they had these great sort of intercollegiate competitions um at Oxford so I went down and watched all my friends I was like wow this is cool this is fun I really want a piece of this um 
but ultimately I also don't want to be rubbish I want to be in the top team you know so um when it came to my second year at university I jumped in with both feet played netball for university rode for my college and by the end of the year was also scouted to be on the the Oxford sort of development team as well and you know you played netball and rowing but that's not the first time you've had to balance out things I mean how did you manage getting your PhD as well as training for your rowing because it's not exactly easy when you're doing early mornings and everything yeah so a fun fact I actually found out that I passed my PhD the same week that I won my Olympic medal um, oh, wow. We, <laughs> we had just finished racing in our heat in Rio and we won our heat, which is the first time um, a women's eight has won a heat um, at the Olympics. And we'd qualified, therefore, directly for, for the final. That was scheduled for later in the week. And I was like, OK, I'm going to sit and connect with um, any emails or any social media that's come in because I feel like I can take myself away from this super focused bubble at the moment and, and look in here. And I was scrolling through my emails and I had an email from um, my PhD examiner who um, was just saying to me, I don't know how you're getting on in Rio. Um, I'm not quite sure when your race is. But I can't wait to watch you. And just so you know, um, I've just confirmed that the minor corrections on your PhD have been accepted and you, you've passed. Congratulations, Dr. Lee. Wow. Right there, just burst into tears and was just so overwhelmed by this incredible emotion. It was amazing and um, was really cool. And in the final, did it feel different to any other race or did it just feel so natural that you just, you know, went out and performed like any other any other race? Yeah, I think the the thing is it was different you know it was the olympic final and it was also the last race i would ever do with this amazing crew but ultimately the reason that we do all of our training all of our preparation and why we race so many other um races throughout the year is so that you turn up and actually everything is the same on the day you aim not to get distracted by the you know the grandeur of the event by the fact that Christ the Redeemer was up there looking down over the lake, you know, as, as you're racing. And you just go through the processes and you sit there on the start line trying to control your emotions. I get really fluttery, trying to control your emotions. You're out there at front stops, blades in the water. And all you're thinking about is when the light drops, you go. And you think about that first stroke, that second stroke, onwards and onwards and onwards. And I had complete trust that I would just do my thing that the seven girls behind me would just do their thing and that the cocks in front of me would would read the race, tell me exactly what I needed to do, where and where where we were, when we needed to make our moves and we just trust the process. And because you're working, you're working in a team um, and you've got lots of different personalities in that team. How did you like work with those girls to get the best result? I think it's um, recognising that actually having different personalities in team is what makes a team really strong. I think if there had been nine of me in my boat, it would have been rubbish. We'd have gone nowhere. We'd have constantly been like overanalyzing everything. I very much am very into processes. I love data. I love the the numbers and the analytics behind how we're going to get a great performance. But actually, I need to be softened 
with my in the moment here and now let's just go let's push harder let's be big and bold I need those members I also need the empathetic members to go it's all right we're here we're here together so I think our mantra was very much that um we needed to become more than just the sum of our parts essentially the strength of the pack the strength of the wolf is the pack what are the biggest lessons that you have learned about like teamwork and how important it is to then do well in yourself I think the the two most important things for me are both communication and ownership like I love to own something I love to make sure that I've done exactly everything I possibly could do but I also need to know that I'm only owning 10% of something and I'm feeding into something wider so I think as soon as you can take real ownership over where you can improve and what you can change and you can communicate that effectively to your team you can all work together and build and do this um, whole process of becoming more than just some of your parts as soon as you silo yourself and you don't talk about it and you don't communicate your challenges you don't communicate your successes very important and also you just don't kind of communicate who's owning which part and who's actually going to bring what bit to the party it kind of things can break down because you end up duplicating work, you end up missing something, and ultimately you're never really fully aware of what's potentially in your blind spot. And when you won your medal, did the feeling of actually winning the medal feel better than the journey or did it sort of, the journey felt better than the actual medal? Oh, what a tough question. Wow. Um, I think maybe it's because I'm incredibly process-based, but I love the journey and there was just so many highs and lows and all of the, you know, the full spectrum within, with that team, it was amazing. And it was quite hard to to finish that race and kind of know, okay, well, our um, reason for being a team is over. And to be honest, the whole, the whole Olympic part and that final race was quite overwhelming because you, you kind of just... You know, I've switched into it. I'm just doing the whole process approach. I'm just thinking about that first stroke. I'm just thinking about the race plan. And when you cross the line and you're like, did we just do that? Did we actually (laughs) just manage that? And you then stand on the podium. It feels very surreal. And even to this day, it feels quite surreal to me that I own an Olympic medal. That's (laughs) that's kind of, um, yeah, blows my mind. So I've got some sort of quite random questions. Okay, so the first one is, what is your favourite cuisine or food? Oh, I don't know. I love a bit of um, sort of spicy food, so maybe Thai. Okay, if you were to take three celebrities on holiday, who would they be and why? Oh, that's unfair. I'm rubbish with remembering names at the best of times. Three celebrities on holiday and why? I feel like I always just want to be surrounded by sports people, but also I also just want to be surrounded by my friends. Can I just take half of my crew with me? Yeah, that works. Maybe all of them. Yeah, definitely. Now you've got seven others. Brilliant. Well, hey, don't forget the cops. If you could be president of one country for the day, which country would it be and why? Well, we don't have a president, but it would be Great Britain because I feel very proud to be British and 
Um, I feel like, not that I particularly want to try and lead a nation because I feel like that's a pretty challenging task to do, but I don't think I'd want to stray beyond um, mm-hmm. my authentic roots. <laughs> On those low days of like training, how do you stay motivated and go, this is the goal, this is where I've got to get to? I think there's a couple of bits. And the first one isn't particularly, you know, fun, but it is your job. You kind of just have to know that day in, day out, you've got this destination and you're just plugging away at it. It may not be the most sort of exotic on sort of a December morning when you're out in the hail and your hands are frozen, you're wearing 25 layers, you feel like this Michelin man with this kind of lycra um, skin suit on top. But actually, you're just kind of getting your head down and ultimately you're you're delivering the work that come the happy summer months when the cameras are on you and your friends and family are there cheering, cheering for you. Those are the bits that will make the difference. Mm. But I think also it's approaching it like um, like every day's, you know, every day's new and every day's an opportunity to be with your friends, every day's an opportunity to to work out a problem or to travel somewhere together, whether or not that's just, you know, traveling further into the pain cave sometimes, but really making sure that you touch base with the with the human elements of it as well. It is yeah. ultimately your job, but also it's a massive privilege to represent your country in your sport as your job. And what attributes do you think you need to then reach any goal that you set yourself? Is there a certain um, attitude that you have to have like I don't know determination or yeah and I think these these things can look quite different and also the same in every different person I think having a real really big ambitious goal or sort of this sort of lofty ambition that you're trying to achieve but for me it's being able to break things into really manageable bite-sized chunks along the way so I never really set out with this. I am going to go to the Olympics, you know, it wasn't this kind of dream that I had specifically with a sort of tangible roadmap to. But when I um, started rowing, I kind of was like, well, I'm quite enjoying this. I wonder how good I can be. Oh, this is quite fun. I wonder if I can get onto the Oxford development team. Could I race for Oxford? Could I earn a blue? Could I learn how to do a single spell and see if I can go to um, GB trials and from there it's just kind of through a series of quite small next steps in a way things tumble along and all of a sudden you're lining up on the start line for the Olympics. You were saying about the GB trials um, and obviously that would at some point have been your next step what was it like to then go oh I'm actually you know trialing to for the GB team? So I think even that feels quite surreal because um, GB rowing likes to make you do quite a lot of trials. You know, I'd love it if it was just one and you're either in or you're out. But actually, you you start the trialing process in October and there's a series of sort of land-based assessments and some water-based assessments. You gradually sort of move through the year. So you'll have an assessment in October, one in December, one in February, one in <laughs> March, April, before any sort of um, crews are are constructed for for the World Cup series and then ultimately for the World Championships. So when you're kind of just tumbling along and it's again kind of these like small kind of targets you keep setting yourself, it's like, okay, well, I've got this race on this occasion. I will go as fast as I can or I will try and come top 10, whatever whatever your target is. In between that, you're probably also like, okay, well, 
I know this is how strong I am. I know this is how fit I am. I want to get this particular time on my 2K um, uh, rowing session on the rowing, uh, indoor rowing machine, you know, that kind of approach. So it's not really like a, a, a zero to everything approach. It's just, again, just part of this, this ongoing process. Do you think that failure is incredibly important to then succeed um, in whatever you do? I think a full and thorough analysis of a failed performance, um, but also a full and thorough analysis of a successful performance are both equally as important. I think self-reflection and also team reflection is really important to this process. And I think without it, then you can either repeat the same same results many times and you're a bit foolish if you think you're gonna something's gonna change unless you really analyze the why and the how um but equal equally over analysis is also a pitfall to avoid and I think it's being able to understand what you can and can't control and yes. ultimately evaluate both through a, a lens as in, as impartial as possible and then try and apply that to your next challenge and the first time that you rode for GB, um, was that a feeling of, oh, I'm really nervous or was it a sort of, oh, my gosh, I'm actually representing my country. You know, this is so surreal. So my first ever race for the GB senior team. So I did a couple of races prior to that for the development team, which was um, slightly less standard. But for the first time in the senior team was actually on the first World Cup in 2013 in Sydney. So I fresh into the team, off on a three-week training camp to Australia, pretty surreal. And then my first ever final um, was in the women's quad at the Sydney World Cup. And it was race time, 8.03 in the morning, which was still to this day, I think the earliest final I've ever completed in. So it was just, Everything was just surreal and I was on the other side of the world. I'd never be away with this team. It was an amazing trip. I got to, um, you know, really get to know all my teammates really well straight away because you're sort of thrust away in this um, training camp environment. And then ultimately to race eight or three, basically with no spectators because it's eight o'clock in the morning. It was a bit odd. <laughs> Can you feel when it doesn't feel quite right in the team or is it a sort of, you know, when something goes wrong, you know something's going to go wrong because of the atmosphere or something like that. Yeah, I think you can generally always track if a team is building and is in a real building phase because um, everything feels like not necessarily positive. Positive is the wrong way, way to wrong word to use, but very constructive. So you can you see people sparking ideas and creativity off each other whereas when it's in sort of a a bit of a trough you'll you'll feel like creative ideas are met with blank expressions or with kind of confusion or complaints and I think certainly the um collective atmosphere and the creation of a really positive culture within your team will hugely unlock sort of the potential of your actual crew or team if it's team sport or a crew sport, um, depending on on where you are, because actually it's this cre- creativity and sort of open mindedness that a poor culture can stifle. Definitely. So when you were a teenager, what advice would you have liked to have received from someone or like someone to have told you? 
that would have helped you understand something that you thought was impossible? I think I would have just um, liked someone to tell me to stop looking, you know, so closely at everything, step back every so often and look at the bigger picture. And on reflection, that was probably one of the attributes I brought to my my cruise, the ability to to look at this bigger picture. So thankfully, I got there myself, but or someone helped help bring me along along the way. But I think as a teenager, it's so hard when you're you're going through exams and you're going through, oh, where should I apply to for my A-levels and all this kind of stuff. There's already, there's always so much pressure directly, directly on you in quite a, um, like a clear sort of drumbeatable way, you know, when exams are coming, you know, when these things are coming. And actually, I wish someone had sort of said, just keep plodding on because actually when you put all of these pieces together, this will happen, and which could lead this this and this because ultimately for me getting my grades and being able to take up that that offer at Oxford was what unlocked the fact that I went to the the Olympics because that unlocked the fact that I was able to learn how to row so I just wish I'd had that really sort of step back this is where you're going rather than being so fixated in the moment yeah and how did you cope with all the pressure um, I have a really sort of good support network, which feels like a very cliche thing to say, but I think making sure you you articulate your problems, your thoughts, your feelings, and you sort of create really safe environments where you can share that both with your immediate teammates or immediate sort of course colleagues if you're talking about work. So actually you don't shoulder too much of that specific information on your own, but also being able to switch off and sort of step slightly further away from that really intense bubble and have friends and family who just reflect that they think it's great or they think it's really funny you can kind of then bathe in that kind of like yeah okay and actually I'm pretty lucky to be able to do this I'm pretty happy to be in this sort of um, space in this phase of my life so it gives you the ability to contextualize everything a little bit more. Um, would it be all right if you said something like hi I'm I'm Zoe Lee um ex GB rower and I'd like to welcome you to the inspire me podcast that'd be all right and okay. if I film it wait a minute is that all right if I film it yeah just remind me so I'm saying hi I'm Zoe Lee yeah and what I do what I yeah did. what you do yeah what you did and um you're listening to the inspire me podcast or something like that Hi, I'm Zoe Lee. You're listening to the Inspire Me podcast, and I am a former GB rower. I've gone backwards there. Is that okay? Should I do it again? That's fine. That's perfect. Sounds great. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. you bye. bye. I just want to say thank you so much to Zoe for taking the time to speak to me. There is so much to take away from this and I hope you all really enjoyed it. If you haven't already, go to Insta and check out my account on there. It's got plenty of information about all the episodes, so make sure to go and have a look. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and I hope to be back soon with another guest. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.